Dustin, you're live. I am? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought it was it didn't show it on my screen. It always shows. No, now me. we're keeping now we're keeping yeah. this for the bloopers. Yeah, we're just keeping <laughs> up live. Well, welcome everybody. Uh welcome to episode 261 of Two Amazon Sellers in a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. And for some reason I didn't see the live button on my screen. So you got some uh outtakes there. Uh, but today's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, we're gonna be talking about what it's like to to acquire uh, an Amazon business. Uh, and this is someone who's experienced been selling for on Amazon previous to that. Uh, we're gonna talk about that and so much more. Uh, but joining us to talk all about that is Emmanuel Ruiz. What's up, Emmanuel? How are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited for this episode. Oh, we're excited too. I, I know uh, Chris brought this to, to my attention. He he saw a lot of your content on YouTube. Sounds really exciting what you're doing. Um, and we want to go through all of that. Um, in fact, to start off, I'd like to turn it over to you, Emmanuel. And just if you could give us a little bit of background, like how you got into the e-commerce space to begin with, you know, what it was like, uh, you know, briefly what what made you want to try to acquire uh, a new FBA business and anything mm -hmm. else about your life story. You got the floor for a little while. Yeah, definitely. So I think it all back started uh, when I was in college, my senior year, where a professor went ahead and, and had a brand new project as far as getting a product, finding a manufacturer, private labeling this product, and uh, trying to get it into a retail store. So the whole process of that was, you know, make up your own brand, make up your own product, how much did it cost to get it in bulk, and then try and reach out to local mom and pop shops to see if you can go ahead and get it on their shelves. And uh, when I graduated, obviously, I didn't even know about Amazon FBA or like the realms of, of those details. Um, but as soon as I started getting into the workforce, started making a little bit of money, that always stayed in the back of my head. And, um, you know, when you look at different ways to try and make money, Amazon FBA was one of those. And that was back in 2018. And um, for a lot of sellers, the hardest part is like finding a product to sell. Just because uh, back then, uh, a lot of people would say, just sell anything, right? <laughs> find a garlic press or anything like that. And if you find it cheap enough, you'll go ahead and make some money. Um, and my first brand and product maybe i got lucky um, but it was something that i was interested in and that was uh in the shoe care industry i always collected jordans i always collected limited edition shoes uh i'm a big fan of kobe as you can go ahead and see in the background so um shoe cleaning as far as me growing up there was always one brand a big brand of going ahead and selling brands uh, of shoes uh selling shoe cleaners and when i looked on amazon you saw other brands that i never even heard of right so decided to take the plunge uh, come out with my own private label product in the shoe cleaner uh, industry, um, grew it out from 2018 to now. Um, and it's been successful. I mean, it's now it's a big brand on, uh, on Amazon. It's factory laced. You guys can go ahead and look it up. Um, but we're able to go ahead and grow from one product. And now we're, you know, a suite of six products in the shoe care industry. And just last or earlier this month, well, we'll go back to it. I've been trying to acquire an Amazon FBA business for about a year now or more than a year. Um, and finally, in July, I was able to acquire my first uh, ever business, which was uh, Maverick, which is a chest pack, running chest packs, weighted vest, basically in the gym industry as far as fashion is concerned. So I'm really excited to talk about that as well. So I want to go to that uh, back in college, the instructor. You don't really hear that a lot, like somebody yeah. actually teaching this in, in, in college. Uh, what like did he have it down? Like did the, the professor say, here's how you do it. Go to Alibaba, find a product. Like, no, 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 not at all. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? 
No, so basically it was here are a list of different types of products you can go ahead and try and reach out to. And I guess this professor used to make like pizzas in China and like try to get it into the United States and and basically consumable goods. So I came out with a special type of like water, right? But obviously water is all the same, but I wanted to brand it in a way where this was water for pets, right? So uh, I reached out to local people here, like in Los Angeles or, you know, distributors here in Los Angeles to try and see if the labeling can get done and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of the realm of it. it. It wasn't necessarily go ahead and go on Alibaba. It was more so like, hey, here's a list of different types of products you can go ahead and come out with. Uh, you figure it out at that point. <laughs> was there anything else in that in, in that class? Like, did somebody else come up with something really cool and they start selling Amazon? Or did, you know what? It was. Just, I, I remember I there was this guy that was in the military, and he like I guess him and his friends always just struggle with like armpit sweat. So this guy wanted to go ahead and create something or patent it where you can go ahead and and like have a layer of. Uh, of uh, clothing, like, you know, act with any shirt that you go ahead and make. That was a cool idea that stuck with me. Um, but I don't know if he went ahead and followed through with that. That's cool, though. I mean, like Chris said, you don't hear about that very often. I, I even tell people all the time, <clears throat> you know, although I was pre uh, Amazon when I graduated college is like, you know, no, I was like, I got, got a business degree and there was nothing applicable <laughs> to what I'm doing now. Exactly. Out of all my years in college, that's the only thing that kind of stuck with me, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even took an entrepreneurship part of my major and it's it was just more about the mechanics and not, not about like, you know, what are the opportunities these days? That's what was so fascinating about Amazon FBA. And mm -hmm. so then you went and you uh, you got your shoe cleaner uh mm -hmm. kits that you you launched there i'm looking it up your listings look great everything you know you got unreal sure. reviews you can tell that that's really rocking and that <clears throat> talk about the the part where you you know you knew of one brand you you know mm -hmm. you were using a brand you you know you the assumption is that they've got all the market share uh then you're you're seeing on amazon these other things pop up and you're starting to see them okay well these other ones are selling uh i think that's been the most fascinating part about amazon is it allows anybody you know you couldn't walk into a a walmart and all of a sudden have your you know shoe cleaner on the shelf that's a little bit of a bigger lift but you know you can get it right next to your name you know name uh, name brand brand that you were following and now you're having success uh yeah yeah 100 true and i've been trying to get my products into target recently and uh there's this push and pull between there's there's a lot of relationships that have been built with target um and especially my niche, um, there's this brand called Kiwi that's basically in every single big box retailer. And it's hard for Target to bring in a different type of competitor to compete with them just because, you know, so much money has been made with that other company that they mm -hmm. don't want to ruffle any feathers. So, um, yeah, Amazon brings you a great opportunity because they don't care as long as, you know, client uh, customers like your product and they pick your product and they're making their 50 percent commission. Uh, more power to you. They don't mm -hmm. they don't care as far as relationship building or anything like that, which is, you know, maybe a, a pro and a con. So you had success with the with your own private label launch. Mm -hmm. What was the thought process of now? Hey, why don't instead of doing another brand or another mm -hmm. thing? What was the thought process of just acquiring? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different reasons why. I think the biggest reason for me is that people create brands because they're passionate about the product they're going ahead and creating. And starting over again with a product that you think you might have success with, if you're not in the trenches, if you don't know the type of industry, if you don't know what the customer is like, if you don't, if you're not the ideal customer to your brand, um, 
in my opinion, you're already fighting a losing battle at that point. So by going ahead and acquiring these businesses um, that a, you know, a new seller went ahead and created, had a passion type of product. Now you're able to go ahead and get you that, that scaling phase of the business. Maybe they, they were good at going ahead and creating the, the brand, the presence, the, um, the, the brand loyalty behind it, but maybe they don't know about PPC or maybe they don't know about A plus content, or maybe they don't know that, you know, they can save so much more money on shipping costs or doing the supply chain of it. So that's the main reason why, because um, I've tried it before too, as far as growing a, a face moisturizer and an eye cream, because I'm not the ideal customer, maybe you're not going ahead and, and you know, giving it your all at that point or knowing exactly what the customer is looking for. Talk about the reason you, you chose Empire Flippers. Uh, I mean, it's a common name out there in the industry, but talk about that process. You mentioned earlier before we went live that, you know, uh, you had to either wire the money like day of or deals were gone. Like you, you wouldn't be able to get them because uh, they were going so quick, but now it's kind of slowed down a little bit. What's the what's the process yeah. there with Empire Flippers? Yeah, yeah. So again, I've been trying to purchase a business ever since last year, but last year was a completely different type of environment um, where we had a bunch of Amazon FB aggregators looking to buy up anything they can get their hands on because they had so much venture capital behind them. Um, so last year, um, when I tried to go ahead and purchase a business, if a business was profitable, um, basically you had so much demand, so many diff different types of players where Empire Flippers, you can't go ahead and overbid on a business. So if they have it listed for, let's say a million dollars, right? It's not like I can go in there and say, look, I love this business. Let me go ahead and offer $1.2 million. It's not like a housing market or anything like that. Empire Flippers goes ahead and, you know, does their due diligence. They go ahead and, and put up the asking price. They think is going to go ahead and get sold. And whoever goes ahead and purchases that business or wires in, you know, the down payment, Basically, now it's their business and the due diligence starts right afterwards. So I don't know how deep you want to go ahead and get into that. But um, based on the questions you asked, well, I can. Yeah. But like, like what was what, what do they require? I've, I've looked at it before. I'm like, who that kind of looks like an interesting business to get into. But then you have to like have like a, approved funds or whatnot. Like what what did you need to get done in order to you know, go to the next step? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So with this new business, I have a business partner that's basically funding all these businesses that we're going ahead and purchasing. But basically how this works out is that you have to send over any bank, any bank account information that you have, any CDs, any type of bonds, any type of stocks. So basically what you have in liquid assets um, that you're able to go ahead and prove based on your proof of funds. Um, so that's how the process works when you first start off on Empire Flippers. And then from there, you're able to get a certain amount of money that you're approved for. So you cannot go ahead and unlock a listing unless you are approved for a certain amount of money. Mm. And if you get approved, does that allow you, are you just getting approved just to unlock listings or do you have to get approved like in order, like if you find a listing, you have to get approved first. Like if I just want to, if I want to look at all the listings, mm -hmm. can I say, Hey, I want to get approved. I don't care what I'm going to buy. You. I don't know what I'm going to buy. yet. I just want to look around. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You can always reach out to Empire Flippers and say, look, this is how much I have in liquid assets, but I'm anticipating going ahead and getting a loan or maybe going ahead and structuring a deal where I'm not paying upfront the entire amount. I'm going ahead and looking for a deal where I'm going to put 50% upfront. Uh, I mean, then from there, based on your rep that you're talking to Empire Flippers, they're able to unlock a certain amount of listings for you because um, first you have to get pre-approved and they tell you, okay, look, you're able to go ahead and unlock 
up to you know five hundred thousand dollars of a business that's that's the list price. Um, but they also give you a limit as far as how many uh, listings you can go ahead and unlock. And before it used to be like ten listings at a time, and then you have to reach out to your rep because the last thing I think, in my opinion, um, Flippers wants to go ahead and do is for you to unlock everything and then kind of steal their ideas or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But now they're a little bit more lenient. I feel like everything has slowed down a lot as to why that that is because uh -huh. my very last time I was able to unlock up to a hundred different different listings. Compared to last year where about, I had to go ahead and ask for permission every single time I unlock like five or 10. And I, I, I get that. Now that you say that's like, yeah, yeah, you don't want to go showing everybody the whole listings. Maybe kind of limit that out. Talk exactly. about the process of picking a category uh, to, to, to acquire. Like, you know, you, you're currently in the clothing shoe protective niche. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, why not just buy another clothing shoe protective product and just add it to your existing category? What mm -hmm. made you want to go out of the uh, out of that category and try something different? Yeah, one is because I have a business partner and I don't want to go ahead and kind of in, uh, commingle any type of products um, because he doesn't have any equity in my business. I'm 100% owner. So your of that business one. partner is separate than your exactly. current FBA business. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the main reason. Um, and a second reason, as far as my criteria right now, is that I'm not looking for any type of businesses that have over like 15 SKUs because I understand how much it takes as far as PPC is concerned, supply chain. Uh, and just basically the time-consuming factor of Amazon FBA when you have over 15 SKUs in your product line. What other criteria were you looking at? I mean, obviously there was a price range that you were mm -hmm. you were in, uh, but were you looking for um, you know products that you knew you could grow for sure, uh, or was it products that you knew you could expand to new marketplaces or something that was already rocking and you wanted to continue it? Yeah, so that's a great question. My number one criteria, first, obviously, it's it's the SKU count. Obviously, the second one is the price point. But the main one, in my opinion, is that is this something that people can get behind? Is this a brandable type of brand, right? Something that people care for, are enthusiastic about? Because um, you got to understand that with the gym industry as well, the, the new brand that I'm coming out with, people are really passionate about how they look based on the products they go ahead and, and, and purchase on Amazon. The same thing goes with a shoe cleaner, right? People are passionate about the shoes that they wear, protect, they're expensive. So you can go ahead and get people behind the actual brand and you know that you can go ahead and grow that, that you know, social proof and those actual followers and get those repeat customers. That's something where, you know, I, I take into account fully because it's a difference between selling products like that with in those type of industries and selling like a commodity like, um, like for instance, like forks or knives or something like that, where it's very hard to brand at that point because a lot of the customers are looking for reviews and price point at that point. What was the first thing you did when you when you got that? And we'll talk about how long that mm -hmm. process is as well. Like from the day you put down, you know, payment. How long did it take to actually gain ownership of the whole entire Seller Central account? How long did that take? Yeah. So the cool thing about that whole process is once you're already in that type of escrow period, which they call due diligence, right? Uh, once you already went ahead and wired in the money, that business is now yours. So at that point, whatever money that's, that that business is generating, uh, that basically that income is yours at that point, right? Um, so after that, then you go over a process of switching over everything, GS1 barcodes, switching over the Amazon accounts, um, going ahead and getting communication with their suppliers. So all that is done in the due diligence phase that can last anywhere between 14 to like 30 days um, for that, what I can go ahead and remember. But the last step is going ahead and switching over all those Amazon accounts as far as like the email addresses, the phone numbers, uh, and the codes to try and get into that Amazon account. Bank accounts, making sure you start to get your money back. Exactly. 
on all that. So you exactly. you take that over. Uh, what's the like? What's the plan of action? I feel like I would be like, oh, what do I do now? Like yeah. I get in here, I, mean, I need to know yeah. what to do. Well, that's that's the whole purpose of going ahead and doing the due diligence beforehand as well, because now you can see the inefficiency of a business. You can see how much on phone calls, like, hey, can you go into your ad console account? Uh, you can see if you know there's out of budget or a cost is super high or, you know, they don't have enough or they have so much organic reviews compared to PPC reviews. Right. So, or, you know, maybe there's a supply chain issue. So that's why like, before you even make an offer to a business, you can see all of that and things that you can go ahead and approve on as soon as you take over the business. For instance, like the uh, Maverick account, they would airship a lot of their inventory. Why would they airship a lot? Because they had a lot of cash flow issues. They would wait for Amazon to pay them and they can't go ahead and pay the supplier until that happens. So at that point, we were able to just order in, in higher bulks. We were able to get a discount on that. And now instead of air shipping all those products, now we can go ahead and, you know, C ship all those products. So now that's more profit margin in our pocket. But I also noticed that they would run out of budget. Their budgets weren't high enough uh, because Amazon's kind of an easy game. If you get more impressions, then focus on the click-through rate. If you get more of a click-through rate, now focus on the orders, right? So as soon as uh, as soon as we took over, that's what we did. Um, and if you watch that video, basically we doubled net income from six thousand to twelve thousand dollars in just a month, and it had nothing to do with you know freight or or supply chain or anything like that because that takes time to to look at the numbers. But um, it all had to do with with uh, just fixing the PPC running new ads, was, go ahead and optimizing their current ones, putting into negative targeting campaigns, so on and so forth. Was there anything that they were doing that you implemented in your current shoe business? You're like, oh, I didn't even think of that. They were doing this. I'm going to implement that in my shoe business. Or was it just so small and such a smaller business that most of the things they were doing were just elementary and you're just basically- Exactly, exactly. I mean, there's there's certain things that are doing well now. Like we, we started implementing like sponsored brands campaigns that have done very well. Uh, I think it's still underutilized by a lot of Amazon FBA sellers this year as well. Um, so it was more so me doing what I'm doing in my business and just implementing it in this business to just see the results. I'm fascinated by this. And, and that you, you highlighted a lot of things that I was very curious about, you know, I would want to get under the hood of a business for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were auditing their PPC, auditing, you know, getting on, uh, talking about their their supply chain, that was all previous to you putting the down payment down? Yeah, definitely. So Empire Flippers gives you a PNL sheet. Um, if you guys go to one of my videos, I can if I have access to go ahead and open it up, I will. But um, they give you a full PL sheet as far as a breakdown of every single SKU, how much the landed cost is, how much the shipping cost, I mean the the price, the the cost of the actual product, and the freight cost, the landed cost, what so on and so forth. So they give you all of that. How much are they spending on advertising per month? Because if you know you're generating six thousand dollars a month in profit, but you're only spending a hundred dollars in PPC, you see a huge opportunity there to go ahead and, and scale that out. Um, so there's another business right now that I'm trying to acquire, um, that that's the case where, you know, 85% of their sales are coming in organically, which is a huge opportunity for us to get in there and do PPC and kind of scale that side of the business. Obviously profit margins go down, but at the same time, profit goes up. (laughs) Yeah. And total sales goes up. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Chris and I talk to people every day, sellers that are obviously looking for help with their advertising campaigns and we kind of look behind the scenes and you know that the people that understand how really Amazon works, you know, it's, you get a, a typical business owner and they're like, why are we spending so much on advertising? You know, why, why, you know, that's way too high of an ACOS. And you're mm-hmm. like, you got to look at the bigger picture here. You know, if, yeah. you, if you push a little harder, you're going to get more organic sales as well, you mm-hmm. know, and 
you know, what's, you know, if you're improving that, uh, the sales, total sales, profit, all of that should be positive, you know, and you can do that with, with PPC pushing it like you're talking about, which is, this is interesting that I, I love this, like this conversation about, you know, the difference between starting your own as opposed to buying something and then trying to scale it. I think there's a lot of opportunity, but I think it's that buying something and scaling it is, I think it's really reserved for people that have been in the game for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But I feel like there's such a big opportunity right now in that sense of the business, because you got to understand that whenever a, a business is valued, uh, when they will go ahead and sell, it's based on the last 12 months of expenses. And these last 12 months of expenses, you understand that fright has gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. uh, advertising costs has gone through the roof. Uh, raw material has probably have gone up because right now I'm negotiating five to 10% just based on the US conversion rate right now with all my suppliers. So first off, we'll be able to go ahead and get a big discount. Now we're getting a big discount on freight right now. So basically valuations are at all time low at the same time where, you know, cash is king. If you can go ahead and purchase these Amazon FBA businesses. So in your, in your uh, video, you, you mentioned, you, you know, you even showed like what the asking price was for, the, mm -hmm. for this business you bought. I think it was north of 200 grand uh, and it showed, it showed the multiple, but you were able to get that down. What was mm -hmm. that like, you know, you know, going, they asked him for 40 X and I think you even got it less than that. What was the negotiation back and forth like? Yeah. So the thing is that you have to understand that right now is a completely different type of environment. A lot of these, you know, aggregators are no longer purchasing any type of business. They're relying on cutting costs as much as they can with the brands that they currently have right now, which mm -hmm. is a huge advantage, especially in a 200 to, you know, $400,000 range where now you're able to ask for things that were never possible last year, where it's like payment plans. Like I didn't put all that money up front. I was able to go ahead and spread all that out within the next 15 months. So every, every time I get paid from Amazon, I can go ahead and keep some in reserve and pay the actual seller back. And even now with these new businesses that I'm going ahead and negotiating with, I'm no longer negotiating landed costs. I'm trying to get subtraction from that landed cost because I explained to them, Hey, I know you ordered all of this inventory, but at the same time, fright has gone dramatically down. I'm not going to pay you for the landed cost that you currently have. Obviously, as a, a buyer, uh, it's an advantage, but as a seller, it's a disadvantage. So it's that push and pull if there's any type of um, uh, any other interested buyer or whatnot or, or, or demand at that point. A lot and, of this has like relationships, you know, you build relationships with your supplier, you build relationships with your VAs, mm -hmm. all this like relationship building once you start to get in there and selling what was done to on that handoff you know the the current seller or the current buyer had all these relationships with the factory uh how'd you come in there and like say you know hey i'm the new guy now like how do you build that relationship how do you keep that you know that good uh terms going and all that good stuff yeah yeah definitely it's just reassuring that look we're here not to go ahead and switch suppliers. We're here to actually grow your line of business as well. So um, getting that introduction from the original seller of the business is key. And, you know, just letting them know, hey, everything else is going to be efficient. We already have our freight team. So they'll be in communication with you as soon as everything is finished. We'll go ahead and wire the money on time. We'll grow your book of business. It's a it's a win-win-win for all of us at that point. What's what's your goal now with this business? Are you, are you trying to grow it and then actually sell it again, grow it and hold it for as long as you can? What, what are your long-term goals with this? 
Yeah. You know what? I really don't have a long-term goal. The goal right now is to grow these businesses. Like this upcoming Wednesday, I actually have like a photo shoot with a, a brand new four new products, eight different types of products actually because of color variations. But we're having a whole photo shoot for that. We're launching these products, making sure if we can find new winners for this product line. So right now the only goal is to grow, right? Because I feel like uh, based on conversations I've had, it's the exit strategy is should be everybody's goal because that's where you're going to make most of your money. But then once you do have that exit, um, now you have to figure out how to cash flow, you know, money. Because even though you have a good paycheck, now you have to figure out a different way to make that monthly income as well, right? So mm-hmm. um, right now it's just growing it uh, and scaling that monthly cash flow. Um, and if the opportunity presents itself, we're we able to get bought out, then we'll go ahead and buy it out. As long as you know we're we're not suffering, um, I don't think we'll go ahead and, and sell the business. Your your terms you mentioned where you're just paying out the previous owner like every month that seems rare to me like I feel like if I was like uh, selling my business I wouldn't I, I would want my money up front rather than yeah. continuing to wait how do you negotiate that out Yeah I mean you have to understand um, or I guess my perspective is people are selling for a reason right um, and I think most of that reason is they they they're motivated to sell especially in this type of environment where multiples have come down. Um, if you're selling at this at this point in time, you're selling for a reason, and you need that you need that sale. Um, so, for me, it's if, if you don't ask, uh, you'll never receive it. So, based mm-hmm. on on any negotiations I do now, my next deal has to be better than my my prior deal. And I heard this quote the other day that said, "If you're not embarrassed by your first offer, you offer too much, especially in this environment." <laughs> so, um, just asking for it that is you you'll get a sense if there's any other buyers that are interested in this business within the first like week or so because again, if if it's been two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, that means there's no other buyer that's interested in the business. We've been peppering you with questions back and forth. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're now in we're now q four heavy into it. You know next week is this week actually this is week. you know black mm-hmm. friday cyber cyber money stuff. So what are you doing now? Or what have you done previously? I guess you probably worked on this months ago, but what mm-hmm. were you doing to get ready for Q4? What's your strategy, you know, to increase sales? Yeah, yeah, definitely. In my honest opinion, this Q4 is going to be a little bit different than previous ones because we can always expect uh, a huge bump up, especially during Black Friday and into Christmas time where, you know, your sales would almost double overnight, right? I feel like this time around, based on the environment, I just feel like it's, it's going to be a little bit different. I feel like it's it, we can't expect the doubling in sales, the huge December month. Um, hope I'm wrong, right? But leading into 2023, I think right now the, the what I'm focusing on the most is being profitable. Um, and you know, now that I've sold through a lot of my inventory because I was bleeding inventory throughout this whole year with with my shoe cleaning business because I ordered too much, just like a lot of other Amazon FBA sellers. Um, so now that you know I'm winding down, my biggest goal now is to just stay profitable, keep that A cost low, um, sell through my current inventory continue to, to, to grow out my business, but not by offering, you know, products that, that I'm going to have cash flow issues in the future with. The question I always ask a lot is, is like, when do you decide to cut a skew or like, how do you do your skew? Uh, like if you take a, if you take that business, like the, the way to invest, when mm-hmm. do you start cutting skews? Like when, how long do you give a product before you're like, eh, I'm out, I'm done with it. As long as it's profitable, in my opinion, um, keep it running. Right. As long as I don't run into long-term storage fees or like I have a place to store these items, um, then I'll go ahead and continue selling them. Because again, like I mentioned before, Amazon can be as simple as getting enough impressions and based on the impression, doing the click-through rate, click-through rate orders. Right. So 
as long as I'm trying my best to try and sell through and, and spend enough money on PPC to see a result in that, I'll keep, I haven't cut a, a product ever since I started. Nice. So there's not like a, you don't have like, it has to sell 10 units a day. If it doesn't sell 10 units a day in three months, I'm done with it. Something like that. No, no, no. Like I said, as long as it's profitable, it's making money. Um, I, I still keep it. I mean, there's, there's, cool. there's one item that right now um, was doing very well pre COVID, but now uh, after COVID it's, 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 I've been struggling to go ahead and sell it, which is my shoe cleaner wipes. But I feel like it's such a staple to, to the line. Like every big brand has shoe wipes for an easy and convenient thing that I don't think that even if I don't sell the 10 units or the, you know, the five units that my goal is, uh, I'm still going to keep it around. And then in terms of operations, I mean, do you have a team or do you, are, are you <laughs> doing all this yourself? I mean, do you do all the listings in the PPC and the inventory and the supply chain and everything else? Is that all you, or do you have a, a team of VAs or employees that work for you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as, as long as, as far as Amazon is concerned, I do everything. So uh, anything that has to do with Amazon, that's basically uh, my role. I did have an employee, I do have an employee. Um, but again, I'm trying to cut costs as much as I can to stay profitable to brand build. So that's going ahead and taking care of influencer type of programs, um, running the Instagram, messaging back customer support through there, um, trying to grow my book of business outside of Amazon. Um, but again, if the ROI is, ROI is not there and it's not contributing to the profit margin, uh, more and more every day, I'm thinking like, look, if, if it doesn't make sense, especially going into 2023, I have to cut that cost. So what's a what's a day, a day in the life of a manual look like? You know, <laughs> like your typical day, you're getting up and, and what are the main things that you have to tackle and what are some other tasks you're doing? Yeah. I mean, now that it's cold, it's getting a little bit harder, but I always try and, and uh, go to the gym in the morning. So that's the first thing that I go ahead and do. And after that, mostly it has to do with PPC. Like every day I spend at least, you know, an hour to two hours a day on PPC, making sure everything I'm not overspending on a, a certain budget, looking through the, the different types of inventory that I have, if everything's good to go as far as replenishing any type of inventory. Um, other than that, then I focus on what my keyword tracking is for both of my businesses, making sure that, you know, we're not losing steam on a certain keyword that, you know, has a big search volume. Um, after that, going ahead and seeing if there's any type of other businesses that we can go ahead and purchase. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously with Amazon, Amazon does mostly all the work for us. It's not like we're picking and packing, you know, these mm -hmm. items that save a lot of, you know, time for all of us. <laughs> There's a big shiny object now. It's all about Walmart. People are talking about going on Walmart, mm. getting into Walmart. What's your experience been there? Yeah. So I one of my biggest videos on YouTube was actually one uh, selling on Walmart and kind of, you know, showing the results of that. And um, I haven't gone big on Walmart because one, I was actually involved in a trademark lawsuit case where I had to go ahead and completely revamp my name, rename it. Again, th there's so many things that happen in Amazon FBA. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It, it makes you a better seller because you're able to avoid a lot of things now. But yeah, I was involved in a trademark lawsuit case where I had to sell through a lot of my previous branded inventory, which before Factory Lace, we were actually called Deadstock. Um, so we, we, had a, we had a trademark lawsuit case that lasted right around 16 months on that. Um, and instead of going ahead and paying all these lawyer fees and continuing to go ahead and do that, I said, look, let's go ahead and rebrand it. We already have all the data from Amazon. We were able to change our name from Amazon. 
all we were able to keep all our reviews, all the data, so on and so forth. So um, that sounds like a headache. That sounds like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's uncertain, right? It's like you, you think that you'll be able to go ahead and sell the same amount of units. Uh, but you really never know because a customer will get confused. Maybe somebody went ahead, you know, a lot of my listings um, have pictures of my old brand. So I don't know if, you know, customers look at that and be like, hey, uh, this is kind of confusing. If it used to be called Deadstock and now it's called Factory Lays, like what's going on here, right? So you really can't grasp or find a metric as to what's happening as far as if, if a customer doesn't purchase because of that. But I mean, luckily everything's been okay. Uh, but going back to Walmart, uh, I was introduced to walmart fulfillment services which is you know basically the same thing as amazon fba for me i just focus more on just trying to scale as much as i can on amazon just because that's what i do best right there's there's a lot of different things on on walmart and walmart's going to be great for a lot of people but for me i feel like i'm confident enough on amazon with ppc with you know a plus content and all that other stuff that i really want to go ahead and focus my efforts in that uh but now it's getting to the point where you know, if I want to go ahead and scale my business in 2023, what should I do? Should I go into Walmart? Should I go into eBay where I just know based on my prior experience, it doesn't move the needle. So now I'm more focused on trying to get this into overseas Walmart, into the UK, into um, Germany, which the whole VAT process has been another complete nightmare. Um, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of Walmart. If, if, if I can answer. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I, I feel like it's still really early, but some, I feel like it's going to get traction sooner than probably later what's I hope your, so. yeah i hope so yeah i know what's your so i like to ask these questions too and i know we're running up on time so i want to know i want to know launch strategy and i want to know review strategy so if, if, if i give you a new product now how are you launching it and how are you going to get reviews for it yeah well you have to make sure that your your product is high quality well for me i always try and get a sample of the exact thing that's going to get sent to amazon as long as that goes ahead and checks all my boxes, I have no problem doing a buying program. So going ahead and doing the buying program and letting Amazon go ahead and give away a certain amount of products to try and get uh, reviews from that. Because I know if you have a good quality product, you're going to get four or five star reviews to mm -hmm. go ahead and start off with that. Right. I know this is a great area as well, but sometimes I like to ask friends of friends to just go ahead and purchase the product. As long as they don't share your Wi-Fi, you haven't went ahead and, and you know hung out with them or had stuff sent to their house. But you can go ahead and take that strategy as well. I know it's a it's a you know a gray type of tactic to go ahead and, and um, do that, but that's also a strategy you can go ahead and use if you're you're going ahead and and um, struggling with that. But as far as launching the product itself, everything has to be ready. You have to have professional photography. You have to have you know your your A plus content, your bullet points, your title page, and I just like to focus on PPC. I don't like to go ahead and do these giveaways or I don't even know if giveaways are 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 a thing a thing anymore, but. Uh, I focus on just PPC and how I like to run the PPC is I like to do a, a up and down low bit, low bit strategy on close match substitute, loose match, obviously all those. I like to go ahead and do a conservative amount on, on auto campaign as well. And I like to go ahead and pick the top five keywords that I think is going to go ahead and do well for my product. And I like to go ahead and segment that by uh, exact broad and phrase on, on different campaigns. And then if you really want to go ahead and, um, make sure that you're going ahead and spending, do do a single keyword of all of those and then do an up and down bit strategy on that as well. Good just, stuff, man. Has, this yeah, has been I know it sounds confusing if you don't know about PPC, but yeah, it's oh. a lot of stuff. Well, we're in it every day. Makes sense to us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just like because when you do that, you're, you're able to really guarantee that you're getting impressions on that keyword that you're going after. Yeah. And that goes back to my first point is you got to be aggressive at first on PPC to, to yeah. generate that organic rank. 
Um, and that's a, interesting. And yeah, you're right about the the reviews. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the point you made about quality. Vine program can be amazing and it can be a disaster. And it is all based on, is your product good? Those people review all day, every day. Mm -hmm. They are not going to give a good review to a low quality product, but they will give a very thorough, nice review for something that's quality. Yeah. Yeah. Vine program is a double-edged sword. You better make sure that that product's good. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's why I make sure to, to tell everybody like, look, if, if you're going to do that, you have to make sure that you love your product. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we could talk about, oh, I'm, I love this conversation. What's just to wrap it up. What, what's next for you? You know, you're, you're on this. I mean, is it just buying more businesses and trying to continue to scale more things or, or what, what's down, what's the roadmap look like for you? Again, 2023 is just so uncertain to me, honestly. Um, I want to say that I want to go ahead and grow and scale and come out with new products and this and that. But for 2023, all I'm focused on is just surviving, right? So uh, I'm keeping that outlook of, of profit margin, making sure that my ACOS is good and low. Uh, all my products are profitable. And if a business is out there where I know I can go ahead and get a good deal on it, then I'll continue to go ahead and purchase. But I'm not going to go crazy on, uh, you know, hiring these hiring services or going ahead and hiring employees if I know that, you know, I'm cautious about 2023. So uh, after we get past 2023, yeah, I'm I'm bullish as ever with Amazon FBA and growing out these brands. And, you know, the more that you're in it, the more that you know, the more connections you make, just like being on this podcast, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and getting into the, you know, different types of retail stores and knowing exactly what type of program works and what program doesn't, the sky's the limit. And I think anybody that's interested in Amazon FBA, this is the perfect time, especially because there's so much uncertainty. But the certain thing is, you know, fright is coming down drastically mm-hmm. back to 2020 levels, you know, raw materials coming down. Uh, you're able to negotiate on raw material as well and build that relationship, especially right now where, you know, manufacturers are calling me left and right saying like, Hey, do you want to introduce this new product? Uh, so I know they're struggling. So the more connection you can go ahead and make during these times, if you have money on the sidelines, I think it's the best time. Good stuff, man. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for making time today to talk with us. And I, anybody who's interested in, in everything that you've been talking about and they want to uh, follow you and learn more about your journey and what you're doing, we've got uh, at the bottom of the screen here um, all your social media uh, links as well. We'll put those in the uh, description of the podcast and descriptions on everywhere else, YouTube, wherever you're watching this, you'll be able to uh, quickly go check out Emmanuel and see what he's doing. Make sure you follow him and uh and keep in touch but emmanuel thanks for joining us we'll get you back yeah i mean i have i have a little bit more time is there any comments by anybody uh that any questions about your viewers or anything like that let's see here (laughs) anything in here or any other question you guys want to dive deeper about oh man well i got one for you so (laughs) the the and you mentioned grayer and and i like to i like to teeter a little bit on that line too right (laughs) like i like to be a little teeter-totter on that so everyone's doing it yeah, like some of these listings you got have thousands of reviews. You got subscribe and save going on. What what are you doing to get that type of volume of reviews? Is it just an insert follow up? Is it you know what are you what are you doing there? Yeah, so definitely. So I think it's been a little bit easier now where you have a rating system instead of reviews, so people can go ahead and leave uh, a rating instead of a full review. Um, but I also this is a, another trick as well. I do email automation, but I do it differently, right? So there was a time where um, I was having an issue with some of my products coming leaked. So I was like, you know, having a heart attack as far as like people, you know, leaving bad reviews for that. 
So I set up an email automation where I said, hey, thank you so much for going ahead and purchasing our product. Uh, we have noticed some feedback that some of these bottles come leaked. So if you can please let me know if yours you know, is affected by that, we'll go ahead and replace it right away. And obviously we fixed the issue. We're able to go ahead and put a double cap, uh, a double seal, both on the cap and on the actual bottle itself. So we know that there's gonna be no more leaks, but we noticed, I, I noticed that there was a huge, uh, you know, increase in like people replying back to it saying like, oh my God, thank you. Like for going ahead and, and letting me know this, like if there's this issue, I'll let you know if, if anything happens. And from that, I was able to go ahead and build that relationship where people are like, hey, this person reached out, seller's great. Um, so maybe if you have like an issue with a product or there, you think there might be an issue, even though you fixed it, maybe that's something that you can go ahead and do. Like getting ahead of it, like get ahead of it before it starts to be a problem and you start to get three, two star reviews or one star. Yeah, reviews. But again, even though we fixed the issue, I still get re replied back saying like, thank you so much for even caring. Cause you don't see that from sellers yeah. and you know, you're more likely to, even if it makes a difference of like one to two more five star reviews, just based on that email. I mean, I think it's all the difference in the world, especially since it's automated. Stuff. That's that's great. I mean, customer service, people overlook that big time and good mm -hmm. customer service can make a huge difference in your business. Yeah, I mean, I again, I'm just looking at your listings. I mean, you've really done a great job. Everything is top notch. So I mean, it's I think one last question I have for you. Yeah, of course. Is how, how much fun are you having? I mean, do you enjoy this? I mean, are you are you do you have another job or is this your full time job? Or I mean, Cause it, cause I, you know, Chris and I talk about this all the time. We love this business. It's, yeah. <laughs> fun, but it is a lot, but it's work. So you have to mm -hmm. love it for sure. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Especially now that, you know, I'm creating YouTube videos and stuff like that, because I'm literally just telling you what I'm experimenting with in my business. I'm talking about the economy, what I'm seeing. I'm talking about, you know, what I'm doing with my suppliers and how I'm negotiating that and kind of bringing it just for free, you know? Um, so Again, I love this business just because even though everything looks good on my end, I'm still struggling with why am I not selling more than my competition? And I'm always finding different ways to try and scale that business. Um, again, I, I hired someone to go ahead and you know do an influencer program for me, get that brand out there, get it on more hands. Um, you know, investing in Instagram and you know getting content there. But I'm I'm hunkering down for 2023. <laughs> I love it, Emmanuel. We will we will definitely touch base with you and get you back on. Uh, down the road, see where the journey has taken you. Uh, but I know this has been fascinating for everyone listening. Uh, everyone who is listening, please go check him out um, all over social media. You've got the links. Um, but YouTube so too, YouTube as well. Email Los Angeles on YouTube. YouTube, yes, we'll get <laughs> we'll have that in there uh, as well for sure. But uh, Emmanuel, thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back at this again tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. I don't.